there friends and welcome back to Girl on Fire, the financial independence podcast for independent women. My name is Priya, I'm a chartered accountant and analyst and the creator of Paper Money Co. I'm also a fierce financial feminist and the host of this podcast. I believe that a woman who is in control of her money is in control of her life. On this week's episode of Girl on Fire, we're talking about retail therapy or emotional spending what it is, why it's a danger to your financial and life goals, and how you can get your emotional spending under control. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I've put together a super helpful financial success checklist for you. It's a step-by-step checklist that'll guide you in taking control of your finances and creating your own financial success. It's totally free and it's just for my Girl on Fire listeners. You can get your copy at papermoneyco.com forward slash checklist. You just enter in your email address and I'll send it straight to your inbox. If you want to spend money and enjoy life while still saving money and preparing for retirement, then this checklist gives you a step-by-step plan to follow to get there. It's the closest thing to having all my secrets in one place and I can't wait to share it with you. That URL again is papermoneyco.com forward slash checklist. As always, Girl on Fire is about learning, so grab your favorite notebook or journal and get ready to take some notes or draw some diagrams, do some interpretive dance, write down your questions for me, you do you. If you listen to this show while doing other things or you can't find a pen, then you can always find the transcript on my website at papermoneyco.com forward slash gof47. For my campers, you'll find the deluxe edition of the transcript in the campfire members area. It's an interactive document which includes my own notes, steps to help you take action on this episode, and a space to journal your notes and thoughts. Campfire is the premier membership community helping you take control of your money and take control of your life, with a ton of masterclasses, bonus content, spreadsheets, accountability, and fun for just $4.99 a month. And because I love helping you save money, you can also get two full months of Campfire access for free if you pay yearly. Head on over to papermoneycoat.com forward slash campfire to join. Okay, let's dive in. First of all, what is emotional spending? Emotional spending is retail therapy. It's spending money and buying things to make yourself feel better when you're feeling sad or you had a bad day. Retail therapy is something we've all done from time to time. Some of us engage in retail therapy a lot more than others, and there's no judgment here. I do it too. I'm an emotional spender and an emotional eater. I spend and eat out of my emotions. Now, something I want to make clear here is that in this episode, we're talking about run-of-the-mill retail therapy. I'm not talking about an actual compulsive shopping addiction. That kind of addiction has a lot in common with other impulse control conditions like gambling. And you'd likely need to enlist the help of a therapist to deal with that. Having said that, though, you don't need an impulse control disorder to destroy your finances and your goals with overspending. So I'm just talking about the retail therapy that everyone deals with from time to time, and that isn't a compulsive shopping addiction. Now that we know what emotional spending or retail therapy is, let's take a look at whether it actually works. We spend money and go shopping, whether in-store or online, to feel better. But does it work? Does it actually make us feel better? According to a few studies, yes, it actually does. And I'll leave those articles linked in the show notes if you want to check them out. But according to one research study, buying new things and even window shopping 
is like an exercise in visualization. Looking for new things to buy forces your brain to start visualizing your new life with your new purchase. So, for example, if you're browsing online for a new dress, your brain starts visualizing a future where you're wearing that dress and doing something fabulous in it. And those types of visualizations have been shown to not only boost your mood when you're feeling low, but it can alleviate anxiety as well. Following on from that, according to the Cleveland Clinic, making shopping decisions restores a sense of personal control and autonomy. And having that sense of control combats sadness because sadness is generally associated with situations and outcomes that are outside of our control. So that's one way that retail therapy not only makes us feel better, but can also be good for us. Here's another interesting fact from the Cleveland Clinic. Your brain gets a rush of feel-good dopamine even before you make a purchase and when you're anxiously stalking the postman or waiting for your package to arrive. Dopamine is a hormonal neurotransmitter in your brain that makes you feel good and makes you feel motivated. It increases your desire to continue seeking out things that make you feel good. So you know when you have those moments when you're feeling motivated to work out and have brunch with your friends and go to a movie with your spouse after work, or when you feel like engaging in your hobbies and trying new recipes or signing up for a marathon. When you feel motivated to do things that you enjoy and that make you feel good, the levels of dopamine in your brain are higher. And dopamine levels in your brain increase in anticipation of a reward. So when you're shopping and waiting for your package to arrive, your dopamine levels increase. Now on the flip side of that, when you feel meh and you don't feel like doing anything, even the things that you enjoy, your dopamine levels are lower. I describe that feeling as being like Mr. Potato Head from Toy Story, but it's when his face and his arms and legs are in a tortilla and not in his normal potato body. And he's all floppy and can't hold himself up very well. That's how I feel when I feel meh and I don't want to do the things I normally enjoy. That's how I describe my low dopamine state. So the point of that little science lesson was just to point out that your brain reacts positively to retail therapy. It does make you feel better. Other studies have shown that unplanned shopping not only boosts a low mood, but retail therapy apparently doesn't have negative side effects that are commonly associated with impulse buying. There's no guilt or buyer's remorse after you engage in retail therapy. And also, the mood improvement you get from retail therapy can last weeks past the actual purchase. So according to that study, retail therapy is a good thing as long as it's done in moderation like practically everything else in life. Now, given all the stuff we've just talked about, is retail therapy bad for you? In my opinion, which is also something one of the studies I mentioned touched on, it's fine in moderation. I personally think that retail therapy is perfectly fine, and that's not just because I'm trying to justify my own spending habits. I've said this a few times on this show, but it bears repeating. Money isn't about numbers and dollars. It's about human behavior and human psychology, which is really complex. Our spending is about how our brains are wired and where we fall on the spectrum of normal human behavior and compulsive behavioral addictions. My point is that something that happens in your brain isn't necessarily your fault. 
you can't help the way the human brain has evolved. So I don't want you to sit there beating yourself up over the fact that you like a bit of retail therapy. Now, the reason I made this episode, though, is because retail therapy can be damaging to your finances and the dream life you're trying to create. It's fine and even helpful in moderation, but it can lead to overspending or impulse spending that's damaging to your financial well-being. Because if retail therapy genuinely makes you feel better, it can be very easy to get caught in a trap where you're constantly seeking out that feeling. I'll use myself as an example here. Just like retail therapy, I like chocolate therapy as well. I'm an emotional eater. I eat to make myself feel better. And when I was trapped in that super toxic job I've mentioned in multiple episodes at this point, I felt like the only way I could feel better was by eating. And I didn't stop. Even now that I'm in a great job that I love, I still do it. I still want to eat when I'm feeling sad or upset. And that wiring in my brain is very hard to reroute. I'm trying to replace the urge to binge on sugar with the desire to do a Zumba workout instead. But years of that emotional eating behavior has been super damaging to my health. And the same thing can happen when you're constantly turning to retail therapy. It can be useful from time to time, but if you start to use it like a drug, you can get yourself into trouble. So what kind of trouble am I talking about here? First and foremost, you can easily land yourself in overspending territory. You start spending more and more or buying more expensive things as a quote-unquote bigger treat for bigger sadness. And sometimes that means you're using a credit card and going into consumer debt to make yourself feel better. It can also lead to more impulse shopping. It's one thing to make yourself feel better by treating yourself to something you've wanted for months, but it's another thing entirely to just grab something of convenience when you want to feel better. Impulse spending is almost like a reflex that's set off by a negative emotion. Before you know it, you've bought something you didn't know you wanted until you saw it. You're not doing research on the item or comparing prices or different brands. You're not even waiting to see if you really want it or if you just want to feel better. And for those reasons, impulse spending is more likely to carry negative effects like buyer's remorse or guilt. And you're more likely to be left with things you don't really want that are just gathering dust around your home. Excessive spending is also going to make it harder for you to reach your goals. You're going to have less money left over to save. And yes, that means retail therapy can be a danger to grown-up financial goals like your emergency fund. But it can also be a danger to the life goals you have and the life you want to live. The more you spend on shopping, the less you have to put towards a European vacation or a painting class or salsa dancing lessons. And I personally feel like missing out on those life goals is going to make me feel much more depressed in the long term than whatever daily situation I'm dealing with. Now, of course, it's harder to see that in the moment, but it makes sense, doesn't it? By that same token, spending more means you have less to invest. And for Girls on Fire, that means you have to wait longer to retire. That means delaying financial freedom. That means working for an additional, I don't know, five years. Now, all of these dangers I've just talked about relate to living the life you're daydreaming about. It's all been about how your overspending can rip that dream life out of your hands. But retail therapy becomes super dangerous. When you start overspending so much that you're not meeting your financial responsibilities or going into debt. 
So, for example, when you're spending money instead of putting it in your emergency fund, or when you're racking up credit card debt or afterpay debt, or maybe you're unable to pay some bills because you're spending all your money shopping. Those things are super detrimental to your financial well-being. So I just want to make clear that the point of this episode isn't me sitting here telling you not to spend money even if it makes you happy. You know me, that's not who I am or what I teach. And I'm a spender myself. If you told me to stop spending, I'd tell you to piss off, but I'd use much more colourful language to do it. The point of this episode is to show you that retail therapy can turn sour. Your spending has the potential to damage your finances. And in turn, it has the potential to destroy the dream life you're trying to build. But being armed about the dangers and how to handle them can make all the difference. Girls on Fire don't leave things to fate or chance. Not when we can help it. We take control. We don't sit around waiting for our dreams to materialize. We go out there and make it happen. Before we move on, I want to take a quick break to tell you about my amazing membership experience, Camp Fire. Camp Fire is the premier membership community helping you take control of your money and take control of your life. With a ton of masterclasses, bonus content, spreadsheets, accountability and fun for just $4.99 a month. That is less than one latte a month. Campers are also getting some great bonus content for this episode that you're listening to right now. When you join Campfire, you'll learn about budgeting, investing, setting and reaching goals by getting a behind the scenes look at my real numbers. We even have a book club. Campfire is the only membership experience of its kind and you'll get access to incredible benefits and bonuses that you won't find anywhere else. It's also a great way to support this show and support me as a content creator. And because I love helping you save money, you can also get two full months of Campfire access for free when you pay yearly. Head on over to papermoneycoat.com forward slash campfire to join. In the next part of this episode, let's take a look at how you can identify whether you're an emotional spender or whether you're at risk of the dangers of retail therapy. Now, I know this can sound a little bit redundant. We've all engaged in retail therapy before. We've all bought something to treat ourselves before. So it seems silly for me to sit here and say, here's how to spot your emotional spending. But here's the thing. If you want to control or overcome your emotional spending tendencies, you need to know exactly what it looks like and where it comes from. Even if you just want to understand yourself better so you can plan and budget for your retail therapy like I do, then learning more about how and why you spend is a good place to start. Now, as I said before, money is about behavior and psychology. And what we need to do here is understand why you spend money the way you do. And a great way to do that is to pay attention to how you're feeling when you're browsing, when you're checking out, when you're shopping, when you're waiting for your package to arrive. But also pay attention to how you're feeling when you open your package and how you're feeling after you've opened your package. If you want to be super nerdy like me, keep a spending journal where you take note of all these feelings. So many feelings in this episode. The idea here is that you want to try to identify patterns and trends in your behavior. Look for your triggers. What made you feel like spending money? Maybe you had a fight with your parents. Maybe your spouse had to cancel date night and work late. Or maybe your boss was being a grade A dirtbag. 
Maybe you made a mistake in your work and it rocked your confidence. Maybe you're having a bad day or you got some bad news. You need to find what triggers you to spend, whatever that looks like for you. Next, I want you to look over your transaction history and figure out what it is that you like to spend money on. And then ask yourself why. Are you spending money on material things because you like to collect them the way that I collect planners and notebooks? Or do you like to spoil yourself with new clothes or fancy dining experiences or facials at a spa? How do you like to spoil yourself? What are you spending money on that makes you feel better? When you know what makes you happy, those things can become like self-care practices that you try to incorporate into your daily life. We're not trying to stamp out your spending here. We're trying to make it as meaningful and impactful and as intentional as possible. Okay, so now that you know what triggers your emotional spending and what you like to spend money on, how do you control it? And remember, we're not talking about eliminating your spending altogether. We're talking about being able to control it. You should control your money and your spending, not the other way around. So that's what we're aiming for here. We know that retail therapy is totally okay if it's done in moderation and doesn't sacrifice your long-term life goals and financial well-being. And that means we need a way to control it so it doesn't get out of hand. And we need a way to make sure we're allowing for spending in our budgets. So if you want to avoid spending money, the best thing you can do is find other ways of dealing with the negative emotions that make you want to spend. As I said in my own personal example, I'm trying to replace comfort eating with doing a Zumba workout instead. I love Zumba. I have fun and I enjoy it so much that I'm getting my official Zumba instructor license. It's a much healthier habit than stuffing my face with ice cream sandwiches and Tim Tams. I'm still going to eat those things, but I'm going to eat them when I'm able to control myself instead of feeling like I need more to make myself feel better. This is why I wanted you to figure out why you spend money on the things you do. Once you know what makes you feel better, you can start finding alternatives that don't cost any money to get the same boost. For example, let's say you really like pretty clothes to help you feel better because they boost your confidence. Maybe instead of buying new clothes in the moment, you can plan to build a capsule wardrobe of clothes that make you feel great and wear those when you need a boost to your confidence. You can get really creative here. There are lots of ways you can get the same positive effects from other things in your life. Some common things that are known to make us all feel good are things like working out and listening to music. Those things increase our dopamine levels and they don't have to cost you a lot of extra money. Now, we're not trying to stop our retail therapy. We're just trying to control it. And that means we need to budget for it. You can't expect yourself to not spend money if you're a spender especially if you're an emotional spender. Instead of trying to live up to some idealized budget where you never spend money on yourself, be realistic and budget for the life you have and the goals you're aiming for. Your budget shouldn't be based on what you or some financial expert thinks your life should be like. It should be based on what your life is actually like. That's why I was pretty brutal against Dave Ramsey's percentage-based budget way back in episode 9. Those percentages don't necessarily reflect the way you live your life. It doesn't reflect your values and your behavior. It reflects the way Dave Ramsey thinks you should live. It reflects his values and his goals and his behavior. And that's not what we're about. So we're going to budget for retail therapy and spending so that we're not blindsided by a failed budget.
Now, I have three quick tips that'll help you budget for spending. And this is what I do in my own budget as well, which campers get to see in our masterclasses. Number one, create a wish list of the things you really want to buy. And when you want to treat yourself in order to feel better, buy something that's on that list. This trick works because it ensures that you're buying something you really want instead of impulse spending and just buying something because it's there. You're being a lot more intentional about how you spend your money. Now, tip number two will take this a step further. Create a sinking fund for your fund spending. I have one in my budget. It's the best. It allows you to save up and buy those things on your wish list when you're having a bad day. And that means you won't fall victim to afterpay or credit card debt. So with just these two tips, you're being intentional about your spending and buying something you really want, and you're saving up for it so that one bad day doesn't land you in debt. And the last great tip I have for you is the idea of paying yourself first. Retail therapy can be really dangerous if you spend first and then save or invest whatever's left over, if there's anything left over. By paying yourself first, you swap that around. You send money to your savings and investments first, then you pay your bills and your essential expenses, and then you spend what's left over. This is probably a less structured way of spending freely than having a wish list and creating a sinking fund based on that wish list. But you're still left with money that you can freely spend while taking care of your responsibilities and your goals. And that's all I have for you girls on fire today. That was a long one. My challenge for you this week is to keep a spending journal for a few weeks, just like we talked about in this episode. You don't need a new notebook or anything like that. Just make it as easy as possible. Even just the notes app on your phone is enough. The point here is to try and identify what triggers your spending and how your spending makes you feel. Once you understand that, you can start to consciously make changes that impact your spending behavior. For my campers, the deluxe version of the transcript, including action items and additional notes, is up and waiting for you in the members area. On next week's episode, we're talking about afterpay. Is it a convenient way to pay for the things you want, or is it financially toxic? It's going to be a really interesting episode, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast at papermoneyco.com forward slash podcast review. It really helps me figure out whether you're enjoying this content and learning from it. Your feedback helps me improve my content so that the episodes get better and better. It's also the best way you can support this show and it's totally free. Leaving reviews helps others find us as well. As always, if you enjoyed this episode or found it interesting, then spread the love and share it with your friends. And remember, when you're in control of your money, you're in control of your life. Bye for now. I'll see you next week.